This podcast contains explicit content and is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Don't say we didn't warn you. Hi, my name is Madison, and you are listening to Who's Knocking, a true crime podcast. Hello, everyone. So we are back again, and when I say we, I mean me, um, for a new episode. And yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Hope you are too. So we're knee deep in October, and that's spooky season, which is the high holidays around here. Um, I love October because, uh, well, the best part about October is turtleneck season. Sweater weather is one thing, but turtleneck season is my favorite. I live for a good turtleneck. So here we are. So this case today, um, I'd say, okay, so everybody and everybody, everybody and everybody, all of us are big into the Jeffrey Dahmer story right now because Jeffrey, I don't even know what the the series is called, but the Jeffrey Dahmer series, the Ryan Murphy, Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix has been quite frankly killing it lately and was awesome. Um, And so I think everybody's been like deep diving into Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, I saw recently on uh, I think Instagram, people were, a couple of people had been, or a lot of people were dressing up for Def, Jeff, as Jeffrey Dahmer for Halloween and people were outraged. Um, and I don't know. I kind of like, I'm not outraged and feel like, isn't the point of Halloween to dress as a monster? And is Jeffrey Dahmer not a monster? I mean, maybe the difference would be that he's actually a real person with real victims. So like maybe that's inappropriate, but I don't know. I kind of feel like people dress as like killers for Halloween. That's like a big thing. Everyone dresses up as like the scream monster or um, Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers. They're all killers. I mean, I guess they're fake killers. So maybe that's the difference. You let me know. Are you offended? Are you not? <laughs> maybe I should not even be going there, but yeah, fuck it. Um, I honestly think it's a pretty funny costume, so. Anyway, um, yeah, so this story is kind of on the Jeffrey Dahmer train, if you will. Um, This person, I find there to be a lot of similarities with Jeffrey Dahmer. And this is, I'd say this is Germany's Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, So I kind of think I'm just going to get right into it. I don't really have much else to say. So let's, let's go. So today we're talking about a man, and please forgive me Germans if I butcher his name. I'm pretty sure I've listened to people talk about him, actual German people talk about him, and I'm pretty sure we call him Joachim. So that's what I'm going to call him, Joachim, spelled J-O-A-C-H-I-M. I would have pronounced it as an English person, Joachim, but we're going to go with Joachim. And this is Joachim Kroll, okay? Here we go. So Joachim Kroll was born on April 17th, 1933 in Upper Silesia, which is in the far east of Germany. Okay. So 
1933 to 1943 was generally considered the era of the German Reich. So this is Hitler territory. Um, and this is when the Nazi party kind of began to take over and Hitler uh, took power and he started to force his evil dictatorship. And so that's like where Joachim grew up. What a world. Um, Joachim's father was a coal miner and his mother, I guess, minded the children. It didn't say explicitly that she was a stay-at-home mom, but didn't say that she had a job. So that's where we are. Um, and they had nine children. Um, Joachim was number six out of nine. Now, in this time and place, and with this family in particular, times were very hard. Um, this is, you know, Hitler time. Um, he had taken control of the country. There was a lot of poverty, a lot of economic hardship. And, you know, that's the, where, yeah, kind of how Hitler was able to take hold of the country. Um, so it was not out of the ordinary. Um, and the, the Krolls were absolutely affected by what was going on. You know, we had ended World War II and it was just poverty central. So Joachim's early childhood was pretty grim. His family was very poor. All 11 of them lived in a cramped two-bedroom apartment. Things were tight, things were shitty. There was not much real love or attention given to the children. Um, it, the Most of the attention given to them was negative. The father was very physically abusive. Um, I think Joachim and his mother, like the mother was not super terrible, but like she spread quite thin. Um, and apparently even within his own family unit, Joachim, Joachim, it's hard uh, to remember how to pronounce it, but Joachim was considered to be kind of the outcast of the family. He did not fit in with his other eight siblings. They ridiculed him. He was constantly blamed for things and then beaten further. Um, Joachim was also, you guessed it, a bedwetter, um, which was yet another reason for him to be beaten by his father. Um, so, there's no shock that Joachim was not a very well-adjusted child. He went on to have, allegedly, a very low IQ. So, most of life was very difficult for him. Uh, in school and socially, everything was just, it was, he didn't excel at all. Um, and it was, like, below average, you know. Not even that he wasn't excelling. He was very below mediocre, okay? He was very shy and withdrawn. He was a lonely child with very few to no friends, which of course made him a target for bullying at school. Um, and generally things were very rough for little Joachim. And that's very sad. I definitely feel a lot of uh, empathy for little Joachim because that sounds awful. Um, as you see in a lot of these cases, and I think his, his childhood, to me, was far worse than Jeffrey Dahmer's, I'll just say that. Now, Joachim's relationship with his mother was not bad, as I said. Um, she would go on to be the only person that he ever felt he could relate to, the only person to ever really love him. Um, and as I said, you know, she this is stretched throughout nine children living in poverty in Nazi Germany. So even if she did her best, like, my God, I don't know. That's... That's a rough situation. When Joachim was a little bit older, like many young German boys, his father made him join the Hitler Youth, hoping that it would turn him into a man. But that did not really go well because Joachim was not good at 
things at all and being a Hitler youth was no exception. So he was shitty at it and it was just terrible. Later, um, when Germany began to lose the war, um, so we're talking, you know, post-1945, um, they're starting to lose. The Red Army, which are the Soviets, if you're unaware, came and took control over Upper Silesia and Germany as a whole. And the family kind of repeatedly had to start searching for new places to live. Um, they were, uh, they were like, kicked out of their home, et cetera, et cetera. So it was, that did not help. Um, and they essentially ended up living in the midst of a war zone, and that was pretty awful. Joachim was surrounded by lots of violence. He saw women being raped. He saw children dying and being killed by explosives and just all the horrors that we know of World War II, which, like, let's not put, like, just gloss over that. World War II was fucked up. I mean, if you've ever read a book on or watched anything to do with the Holocaust, when I was pregnant with my first child and extremely emotional, my husband made me watch Schindler's List for the first time. I have still not recovered from that, okay? It was horrible. But that is the backdrop of Joachim's life. And I mean, he was a German, so like during beginning half, you know, he's not, it's not like he was a Jew, but then when the Soviets came, you know, things flipped, right? Um, so not, not good. Um, yeah, so still there was school though, and, and Joachim ended up dropping out of school by age 15. By age 15, he had only um, succeeded at going up to grade four levels because he had to repeat grades constantly because he was just so dumb. Sorry. Um, he just was, he was not good at school or anything really. Um, and then uh, at around, around 1948-ish, Siblings seem to be alive, but the father is now dead. So now we have the mother left with with 11 children on her own. And at least one of them is a handful, I'll say. So um, it's 1948. Things are not looking up for Joachim. Um, and after deciding not to continue his education, he decided to start working on a farm. And I, I doubt there was a whole lot of choices left for him. That was probably just like what was available to him. But the farm life was also very harsh towards young Joachim. Um, this farm that he was working on, I guess the people there were quite harsh, but also he seemed like he was not good at things, so I'm sure he was kind of fucking up a lot. But whenever he made mistakes, I was, which I assume was very often, he would be beaten as a punishment, so like the beatings are still occurring. Um, and then we have Joachim's issues with women, which are plentiful. You see, often there would be other women working there, as normal workplaces have. And Joachim was super inappropriate with them. He had no idea how to behave around women, not shockingly. Um, he had never been successful with girls. They were generally repulsed by him. And he knew that he really desired to be with women, but he could just never figure out how to make that happen. Yikes. And this resulted in Yakim being very aggressive in his approaches towards women and women constantly rejecting him. So it was just a cycle of like him being shitty, women being like, ew, and just that's it. 
I mean, and I think we all know that guy who just like can't seem to behave himself around women. And I think a lot of the time, like I've known a couple people who it's been like, you're like a nice normal guy, but like you just like you don't know how to behave around women. And as soon as you get in front of a woman, it's just like, oh, gross. But you, I think with Yokim, it was like a little more like deep seated, a little more like I, I believe that as as this pattern continues, it just makes him more and more resentful. And like he's very like incel, you know, if he was in if he was born in our time, he would definitely be an incel. Um, yeah, so instead of doing any self-reflecting or adjusting his own behavior, Yukim just got down on himself and began to see women as yet another unattainable part of life for him. So would anyone like to ponder a guess as to which job Yukim excelled at on the farm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. Slaughtering the animals. It's said that the first time that he saw an animal being slaughtered, he delighted in the sight of it. Just loved it. Loved the experience, soaked it all up. And I have to assume that in his first experience, he even got a little bit of a sexual thrill out of it, which is so disgusting. It's very fascinating, though. I think that, you know, there's some people who just somehow end up deriving sexual pleasure out of experiences that most people are wired to feel only pure disgust at like to me the thought of seeing an animal being slaughtered like I would do anything to avoid having to see that I would never ever want to watch an animal being slaughtered I would just feel pure disgust and empathy like it the, seeing that I know would just make me probably cry and feel like I want to throw up right um but for him it's like the opposite he feels sexual gratification from seeing an animal being slaughtered and these are this is like the olden days when it's like I mean still I, I think watching animals being slaughtered is like probably absolutely repulsive but like it was just a bit it was like really um more engaging it's like people had to be much more involved in killing an animal than they do now like now I'm sure sure they have like machines to do that kind of shit but this was like really like slaughtery I don't know how to describe it but um probably a slower process and a more hands-on process if you understand what I'm trying to say here so he loved that and who does that remind you of our boy Jeff yeah exactly are we starting to see some similarities I think so so you can begin to slaughter a lot of animals and really enjoyed every minute of it loved it and then, of course, he started to develop sexual feelings towards the animals. And, like, not just, like, seeing them being slaughtered, but, like, towards them. So he began to fantasize a lot about this kind of stuff. And that led teenage Yokim to start having sex with the animals. Cows, pigs, whatever he could get his hands on. And I'm sorry, not sex, rape. He was raping the animals. They did not consent to this, of course. They are animals. Just foul. So finally... With the slaughtering and the raping of these animals, Joachim finally started to feel some control in his life for the first time ever. He finally got this feeling that he'd been craving, this little sense of control. And that's fucked up, and that is not going to lead to anywhere good, as we know. 
So Joachim began experimenting. He was killing animals to open them up and see their insides. He loved the way that their warm blood felt on him, the way their organs were shiny, which again, who is this? This is Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, They seemed to both, him and Jeffrey Dahmer, have like the same sexual fascination with people and animals' insides and like opening them up, looking at them, touching, feeling their organs. Nasty shit. Apparently, Joachim also began experimenting with smaller animals alone in his apartment, like dogs and cat type shit. Um, He was like killing cats, opening them up, doing that on his own time. So animals were all well and good for Joachim, but he still craved a woman. Joachim would eventually move on from animals to human blow-up dolls, okay? He couldn't get near an actual woman, of course, Um, So he got a bunch of rubber sex dolls and he would perform disgusting sexual acts on them. And then, really twisted, he would pretend to kill them. So he would hang them from ropes and pretend that they were an actual human being dying in front of him. And he would stand there and just imagine that he was watching a human being struggle and slowly die and like breathe their last breath. And he loved it. Who does that remind you of? BTK. Yes. Um, so this is not a good situation. As we can see, he's, I mean, I do think it's less of a, it it seems like less of a, um, what am I trying to say? Like less of a next step to go from animals to blow up dolls. Like he's killing some, an actual living thing. And then he's like pretending to kill something, but the step is like closer to a human, So in that sense, it is an escalation. That's the word I was looking for. But it did not stop there. And I bet you guys can guess what he moved on to next. Yes, killing human women and girls. And I will say, be warned, because a lot of his victims are very young. He does end up killing children, which some people are not interested in hearing. I always say that I don't like hearing it, but here I am. I don't know. But yes, so if you don't like listening to people doing awful things to children, perhaps don't finish this. But here we go. So Joachim's world would be turned upside down in 1955 because that is when his mother died. His mother was, as I said earlier, the only person in his life who he felt he could relate to in any meaningful way. So Joachim took her death very badly and it made him feel completely alone in the world. Like literally this man has no friends. His family really doesn't give a shit about him. He never got along with his siblings. He doesn't have relationships with them. No friends, no girlfriend, any, any animal that he has in his life, he rapes and kills. So this man is very alone. And... His mother, bless her heart, was the only person who ever cared about him. So now she's gone. So when this happened, he just went off the rails and he just started to take his very active and disturbing sexual fantasy life into the real world. So on February 8th, 1955, Joachim, not feeling great, he was out for a walk near the woods and he ran into 19-year-old Ermgard Strell. Please excuse me, German people, if I am pronouncing these names terribly. But he runs into this girl. Um, she's 19 years old. Joachim makes a pass at Ermgard, who 
of course rejected him instantly like every woman does and I imagine this wasn't a huge shock to Joachim but still it must have hit him particularly hard I think I just let's pause here for a second and try to like really get into Joachim's head okay this man is 22 years old he's probably very sexually frustrated as he's never been with a woman in his life every woman he's attempted to attract has shut him down he seems essentially to repel women on top of that he has very sadistic sexual fantasies which he plays out with dolls who I'm guessing are not really doing it for him anymore and on top of that his mother the only person in the world who treats him like an actual human being just died and look this little explainer is not meant to justify Joachim's actions in any sense nothing in the world could justify his actions rather this is just to help understand them okay so that is where he is and that is what so when she rejects him Joachim then makes a decision that takes him from like a loner creep weirdo guy to a murdering rapist so Joachim upset with the rejection grabbed Ermgard, dragged her into the woods and found a nearby barn that I guess was empty there he sexually assaulted her stabbed her to death and I see I've seen a couple conflicting um uh accounts where some say he strangles her some say he stabs her but I know that she does get stabbed so he does have a knife so he I, I believe that this first death was probably a stabbing which makes more sense because strangulation is just a lot more intimate and we'll get to that um but he stabbed her to death and then went on to disembowel her. And now for those of you who don't know what disembowel means, it, it, it means to cut open and remove the insides. So, you know, this is what he's been doing to animals and he does this to this very young woman. So like the animals that he enjoyed slaughtering, Joachim enjoyed every second of attacking and killing Ermgard. He felt powerful, he felt in control, and he got a sexual thrill out of, uh, out of this, which was just instantly addicting. And with this first horrific murder, a serial killer was born. And it was not long before Ermgard was found inside the barn, and there was no attempt to cover up the crime scene. She was left there with her organs hanging out, which I'm assuming was a just horrific sight to stumble upon when the person who found her eventually did. Can you imagine? Um, and that, that was his first um, incident. And it was, it, it only got worse from there. Now, it's a bit debated about who his next victim was because Joachim claimed that he did not kill again for four years, but he is suspected of killing multiple women between 1955 and 1959. That those have not been confirmed. Um, so this means he either had a four-year cooling off period or he just got right back into it. And unfortunately, we'll probably never know. Um, but those, those very different scenarios, somebody who, like, I think it's very common for a lot of people, like in, for example, the Jeffrey Dahmer case, like he killed somebody and then was like, oh shit. Um, and then like didn't do anything for a number of years. Um, so I kind of feel like that makes more sense to me. Um, that that happened versus that he actually continued to kill people right away. Uh, but he also had a very inciting incident of his mother dying. So that that's like very different, I think, with than Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, so it's I do think either one is possible. But I do I do I do lean slightly more towards he had a four year cooling off period. Um, 
I think with a lot of especially when they're young guys it's like you're just like waiting to get caught and then when like four years go by and you haven't got caught you're like okay I can do this again but I'm not sure which one it was um we do know that when he started again he began strangling his victims to kill them and like I said before we didn't know if the first one was strangling or um stabbing but when he starts strangling people um that to me just shows you what an actual violent person this is because um as I think most of you are probably aware strangulation um is considered kind of the most intimate method to kill a person it's the most um when you strangle somebody to death you literally feel the life drain from their body and unlike movies and tv strangling somebody is a very long very tiring process and it requires actually a lot of strength and stamina especially if he's he's like killing you know 19 20 year old girls like these are it it takes a lot right i'm disturbingly i'm sorry to say this but like if it's strangling like a child i'm sure is a lot easier than like an able-bodied 20 year old woman in the basically the prime of her life right um so you see this i think with a lot of like very sadistic sexual killers like btk for example the strangling of somebody is like the thrill of feeling somebody's life leave them like that is extremely fucked up okay um it's also the case that yokim was having sex with the victims after he killed them and this is an act known as necrophilia and it is vile i'm sure most of you know what necrophilia is but necrophilia is having sex with dead bodies basically um so and and i i think with a lot of these cases too it was he wouldn't rape them before but he would rape them after they had died it's an, an it's this is again very much like btk where it's like he has been so rejected by women like he like can't even have sex with them while they're alive he can't even rape them while they're alive like he just can't do it um and he has to wait until they're dead which is so so pathetic not that it's pathetic that he didn't rape them while they were alive you know I'm sure that's kind of better for the victim that they didn't have to endure that while they were alive but um it just shows like the very pathetic mindset you know it's just it's just a lot it's a lot anyway in 1959 Joachim killed and then raped 24 year old Clara Tesmir and then uh Manuela Knott Manuela was only 16 years old, so that is like you're seeing them get even younger. Manuela and Clara were found with big chunks of their buttocks and thighs missing. Evidently, this is when Joachim began to eat his victims. So on top of rape and murder and necrophilia and the strangulation, Joachim was also a cannibal. Joachim would murder and then rape his victims and then cut chunks of their flesh chunks of flesh off their bodies to take home and eat later (sighs) yokim continued to murder and rape and defile and eat people for the next 20 or so years mostly women and girls but once he did murder a man 
Now, this case was August 22nd, 1965. And Joachim was creeping around watching this young couple in their car. This was Herman Schmitz and his fiancee, Marion Veen. And Joachim says that he uh, was watching them. They were having sex in the front seat of their car. And he was watching them lurking about, wishing he was the man probably, and decided that he was up for the challenge of killing a couple. He lured Herman out of the car by pretending to be somebody who needed help. And then he stabbed Herman repeatedly. And then his plan was to attack and rape Marion next, but she was too quick for him. And Marion jumped into the driver's seat of the car and drove right at Joachim, who jumped out of the way just in time, unfortunately. And then Marion sped off looking for help. Now, this was a very close call for Joachim because he had um, he'd been seen by Marion. And he thought that surely this would be the end for him. But Marion's description, unfortunately, was just not helpful. Um, as we know, eyewitness testimony is often very unreliable. Her recollection was vague at best. And so Joachim was never suspected of this crime. And he just went on his murdering ways. Joachim went on attacking and killing women and girls. Um, and for a man with such an allegedly low IQ, he was pretty methodical about his serial killing. He would often travel out of town and hit up different locations and jurisdictions, and this kept authorities from noticing a pattern and suspecting that one person was responsible for all of these deaths. Um, his victims were mostly women, but they varied quite a lot in ages and looks. Um, he did end up veering younger, um, but as Joachim would later say that he preferred younger meat because it was more tender, foul, um, but like he killed a 61-year-old and he killed, so mostly they were in their like, you know, 19, 16 to 24 ish, but he, you know, there was a man killed in a couple, which is like a completely different MO from killing a 61 year old woman, which is a completely different MO from killing a, well, like one 16 year old girl. And these are all over the country. We are, like, we're coming off of World War II, so like, what are they focusing on? I don't know. Um, but this, like all of these things kind of came together to make it very hard to even identify that it was a serial killer, let alone Yakim. And we'll see later, I'll get into a little bit more of why, um, they didn't figure out that it was him. Um, and so he just went on his ways and they didn't put it all together. So at this point, like he's, he later cop to like 14 murders but we don't know um if that's the truth but so for the 20 years he's just murdering murdering and it seems when you look at the timeline of the murders that he's um confessed to it seems like he'll be like there'll be like two very close together and then a, like a little bit of a cooling off and then like three in a year and then a bit of a cooling off um so it seemed to come in like little chunks unless there's all these ones that we don't know about it's hard to say Joachim went on to his final murder in 1976 and absolutely horrifically this was of a four-year-old girl named Marion Kettner. Now Joachim's biggest mistake with this attack was that he abducted a child from his own neighborhood. He had recognized little Marion by sight and he I guess just could not help himself. The sick fuck okay four-year-old girl. When Marion went missing, 
A huge search party set out to find the little four-year-old. Police were going door to door. Neighbors were out looking. It was a big deal. She's four years old. Now, there are various versions of what exactly happened, but I will tell you what I've pieced together and what came up most often in my research. Um, And you tell me who this reminds you of. So everyone is out searching for Marion, and a neighbor of Joachim's started experiencing difficulties with the plumbing in his apartment, which was like next door to Joachim's. I guess he lived in some sort of apartment complex. I think that had like a shared kitchen, like it was like a kind of rooming house situation. And so this neighbor innocently asked Joachim if he knew what was going on with the pipes. Did Joachim um, know of anything that could be blocking the pipes, perhaps? And allegedly, Joachim replied with, guts taking this as a joke as any normal person would the neighbor chuckled and went about his day but then a little bit later the neighbor went into his bathroom and noticed that in the toilet there were some tiny this is very sad human organs Um, and i believe we're talking like intestines here and these organs belonged to four-year-old marion kettner so this man you know, looked at the tiny organs, put it all together when Joachim had said guts and was like, oh my God, he was not joking. So he called the authorities right away. When the police came for Joachim, they stumbled into an absolutely disgusting, horrible, terrible, just revolting crime scene. And that was Joachim's apartment. On the stovetop, there was a saucepan with a hand in it. And in the fridge, there was the dismembered body of four-year-old Marion Kettner. She was cut up into pieces that looked like they were ready to be cooked. And all the pieces that he didn't want, the organs and such, were flushed down the toilet. Hi, Adam Strong. And of course, I'm sure his apartment was just nasty and disgusting elsewhere as we'll learn about a couple other things that were in there um this was this was like the jeffrey dahmer apartment you know blood everywhere no attempt to like clean things up just enjoyed living in filth and squalor gross so then the police began to interrogate him and it was hard because he was not smart he was not admitting to anything he was just you know not cooperating Joachim was a creepy little fella. He had beady little eyes and a rat-like face, and he, he looked like a serial killer. Um, I watched a documentary, which I'll link in the uh, source notes, but he there, in this documentary had a lot of the interrogators. I don't know if they were interrogators. Yeah, I think some of them were actually there um, when, they, when they arrested him and interrogated him, and then some who probably heard about it. Um, through the police bureau that they're working with. Um, and so they had actual memories of talking to him. Um, but the the one detective got the idea to just try to gain Joachim's trust. And I think this is a much more common practice nowadays, but I think back then it was a little less common. Like there were serial killers were less common. and um, But this tactic was definitely less common at the time um 
So he decided that he would just start speaking to Yokim about mundane things. He started asking Yokim, Yokim about the moped that he knew that he had that he'd been working on, um, and just trying to like gain his trust and like treat him like a any guy, any old guy. Um, and this really worked. Yokim had never been listened to before. Nobody had ever cared about what he had to say. So when the detective played the part of a truly interested conversation partner, somebody who just treated Yokim like a normal human being, Yokim sang like a bird. He was just so excited to have somebody listen to him. He loved it. And Yokim began confessing to his first murder, and then another, and then another, and then another. And he very wrongly got the impression that if he confessed to everything, that he would be sent to a hospital somehow cured miraculously of his murderous tendencies and then would be sent home and i think the police just kind of let him think that so yokim admitted to kidnapping sexually assaulting dismembering and eating four-year-old marion just take that in for a second a four-year-old girl he ate her and that was not all in total, Yokim confessed to murdering at least 14 people between 1955 and 1976. The police agreed to take Yokim to the crime scenes and to photograph him reenacting the murder so that they could like find I, I think all the there was nobody that hadn't been found. Actually, I'm not not positive of that, but they you know, he was they wanted to get information out of him, so that's what they agreed to do. It was a somewhat unorthodox and very disturbing approach, but an approach that worked. And it did resolve, uh, result in some very creepy photos. And I'll, I'll have them here. And you can see Yokim is absolutely loving getting to relive all the killings. So I guess it, you could say it was like a kind of debatably unethical thing to do. But I, to me, if they're getting information, let him enjoy this. Like he's going to fucking jail, okay? He's not... He's not just going to get to walk off. So let him let him relive the crime scenes while you get information and then send his ass to prison. Yokim told investigators that after he killed each woman, he would go home and masturbate with one of his blow-up sex dolls while simultaneously choking a regular children's doll. He was clearly a very sick and very twisted individual. Like just picture that like that's a that's so many dolls and like strangling a child is what he's simulating there um as yo kim went on to confess to his murders the police began to realize something horrible that added yet another layer to this already gruesome situation yo kim was confessing to murders that they knew to already have been solved or so they thought it turned out that there were two people sitting in prison for murders that Yokim had committed. And worse still, three people who'd been accused of murders committed by Yokim had already committed suicide. The rape and murder of Clara Tesmere had been blamed on a mechanic named Henrik Ott, and he was arrested for the crime and then hung himself while in jail. The rape and murder of 12-year-old Monica Taffel was blamed on a man named Walter Quicker and Walter uh, was released from prison a few months later when they decided that he wasn't ultimately guilty but the crime was so heinous and the whole town still believed him to be guilty and so he also killed himself the same thing happened with 
Adolf Schnickel after he was accused of killing his girlfriend, Ursula Rowling. People in the town did not believe that he was not guilty after he was accused, and that haunted him so much that he killed himself. Yet more victims of Joachim Kroll. Now, the press was very interested in this case as well. So the press dubbed Joachim the Duisburg cannibal killer or the Ruhr hunter. And Joachim was quoted in the newspaper as saying that he ate his victims and that the only meat he would eat was human meat because it was cheaper. So that really flamed the fire of this whole situation. A lot of things were said in the media that weren't exactly true or that kind of were, but like were taken out of context, which I'm sure was meant to shock everybody. Um, the media is known to be very trustworthy. So um, yeah, they were, they were great. They were very helpful. Um, they would say things clearly meant to enrage the public and um, kind of get the public mad at the police like that the police were giving him cake whenever he wanted or that they were taking like you know taking him to the crime scenes just like to make the to make people angry at the police that they were like being so nice to the serial killer but it's like dude that's how they're getting in their information like give them a break um but this of course made Joachim even more hated than he already was which that's to me like not a problem he what he did was despicable but it's like you know you have to be methodical when dealing with these type of people and you have to like if if you give him cake and then he admits to murder it's worth it you guys but anyway this was a huge case um these murders had been happening with such frequency and were so horrible that everyone was very happy to see somebody go down for them um and i mean i don't think that they were under the impression that there was a serial killer right like there's multiple people being accused of these murders and they were happening all over the place so like I said before I don't know that they had put them together but once they had been put together it was like it was a huge deal this is the Jeffrey Dahmer of Germany Jeffrey Dahmer was a big deal so there was a trial Joachim was officially charged with eight murders even though he confessed to 14 and many people believe that he um even committed more to that more than that um they had a, a good uh, solid amount of evidence for eight of them on october 4th 1979 the trial began and the media covered in detail what happened and people were shook rightly so when the details came out and people truly understood what this man had been doing it was absolutely shocking and like imagine these people had just come out of world war ii and seen the atrocities of that so like this is still shocking to them. The trial lasted two years with 151 days in court. And in April of 1982, Joachim Kroll was convicted of all eight murders and sentenced to life in prison. See ya. And on July, 9, uh, July 1st, 1991, nine years after his uh, conviction, Joachim died of a heart attack in prison and he was 58 years old. He died sad and alone and never having known a true human relationship, never having experienced love and intimacy in the form of a woman, and he died a child rapist, murderer, and a cannibal. That is very sad, but deserving. So that is the story of, of Joachim Kroll. That is Germany's Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, and that was 
a horrific story with a lot of victims and a lot of really sick and twisted, horrible aspects. What do you think? Are, I'm very curious um, uh, to, to hear of a German perspective, if that's out there. Did you, like, did you know about this person growing up? Did I get the facts correct? I did a lot of research, but, uh, you know, you never know. Especially with these old cases that aren't extremely popular. I think it's, it's there's a lot of um, somewhat conflicting accounts, I'll say. Um, but it's not that I feel empathy for him because, you know, I think he was a truly awful person, but, like, his just like what an awful life like what a from start to finish how truly awful your life must be if that's what you're spending your time doing um which I do think definitely resulted from a horrific childhood um this man is like there's just no redeemable qualities but his his life hadn't there's like no point in his life that was like oh that was a good time like it was just all awful um so (laughs) hope this brightened your day uh like why the fuck do I like this stuff I don't know um but you're here too so I guess you're you're in the same boat but anyway that's the story and I hope you learned something I hope you uh got something out of this this horrific story um please uh Comment below if you have anything to say on this case, um, if you have any additional details, or if you think I got something wrong, I'd love to know. Um, You can find us here in the comment section. You can find me on Instagram, at Who's Knocking Podcast, Twitter, at Who's Knocking Pod, email me at hello at who's knocking.com. I also have a newsletter, a weekly true crime newsletter. Um, covers different true crime content, some new stuff, some old stuff, uh, suggestions and such. It is called Grim Weekly and you can sign up for that at grimweekly.com. If you do have any troubles with it, email me at uh, madison at grimweekly.com. I have had a couple people who um, didn't, couldn't find the confirmation email or something like that. You do have to um, confirm via email. I don't really like that, but it's, you have to do it. It's just part of the process. Um, But yeah, that's all from me. Please, you guys, stay safe out there because you never know who's knocking. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Lost Line Media. Artwork by August Digital. Music by Matthew Cook.